Please remain standing for this morning's scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 through 12, and then Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Is not this the fast that I chose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruin shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Micah chapter 6 verse 8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, in a sense, uh, I'm not sure that I even need to preach after that passage, right? Uh, it makes it pretty clear um, as to the calling that the Lord has on us. Um, but I'm going to do my best. And the, the reality is, um, Damien's going to be giving uh, an update on vision. And so uh, I've got to keep it a little bit shorter even than usual, which is challenging for me. Um, so uh, the reality is, um, we're going to leave a lot left unsaid. Uh, but I hope that this is the beginning um, of us beginning to talk about what I believe is one of the most important things um, to our God, uh, which is his heart uh, for justice. So while I can't say everything, although I wish I could, um, we'd be here all day and we have other things and there's the Super Bowl. So um, John Perkins uh, is a name that if you don't know it, uh, you should. Um, John Perkins is the leader of uh, an organization called the uh, Christian Community Development Association. Uh, the story of his life is one that is unbelievable. Um, the story of his life uh, is, is one of uh, great pain um, and yet great redemption. John Perkins describes himself as this, a disciple of Christ, a lover of people, a sharecropper's son, a civil rights activist, and friend. He asked his attorney uh, one day um, what justice is. Seemed to make sense. Um, ask your attorney uh, what justice really is. And his response, though, was pretty surprising. His response uh, was uh, that, listen, John, you can't get justice in a can and open it up and say, here's justice, and just kind of pour it out on situations. 
He said, that's not how uh, justice uh, works. Justice is a, a moving target, he said. He said, justice is being eternally vigilant, looking and seeing what is wrong and trying to make it right. And so you never are done with justice. That's what's hard about it. It's elusive in some ways. Um, And yet we are called uh, to keep going at it. And so Perkins uh, was asked uh, one day about justice and the gospel, which even that in and of itself, that we would set those things as if they were in opposition or had to be reconciled to each other is is wrong really at the outset. But he was asked, what does the, the gospel have to do with justice? And this was his response. He said that America here in our own country has compromised uh, justice. He said, we have this great saying, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, we know this, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And then we pledge our allegiance uh, saying, one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. But Perkins goes on and says, But then we began to eliminate Native Americans and we began to steal men, women, and children from Africa and enslave them to build a nation. He says, at that moment, America had the chance to build an expression of God's kingdom, but instead we did an injustice to justice. We compromised it. We perverted it. And so ever since our justice here in this country, which matters because if you didn't know you live in this country, Um, our justice has lacked integrity. Um, It's not whole. Um, In many ways, it still isn't. So to understand what justice is, actually the first thing you have to understand is what injustice is. That's how this works. Because justice really is just taking injustices and making them right. Um, That is the goal of of justice. Now some of you might be thinking, and listen, before I keep going, I, I, uh, I know that there will be some of you who will come up to me afterwards frustrated. All right, so, but the reality is we're a family. All right, so we're going to talk about this. We're going to keep figuring this out, all right? So some of you are going to come up to me and say, Eric, slavery abolished um, many years ago. Eric, um, Martin Luther King, civil rights movement, uh, all of these things, signing into law, ending public segregation, and all this type of stuff. And you say, there's justice for all. Well, I would uh, uh, lead you to my friend who unfortunately is no longer alive, but his name is Pastor Willis. I met him while I was uh, serving as uh, an intern at a ministry called Desire Street Ministries in New Orleans. And uh, he, he said to a bunch of wild-eyed white college students, he said, growing up black in America is like playing a basketball game uh, with one of your hands tied behind your back until the fourth quarter. And then having people say, why are you so far behind? He said that was uh, what it was like uh, as uh, growing up uh, in our country. And so like John Perkins said, yes, you achieve moments of justice and yet it's a moving target. And you never cease, you never, it's never done, you never stop going after it. I texted um, an African-American friend of mine as I was uh, preparing for this sermon saying, listen, I'm kind of freaking out, so can you pray for me? Because um, I know this is going to be tough. And uh, I said, I don't think I'm going to do justice to God's justice, trying to talk about it. His response nailed it. He said, I get it. How do you capture 400 years of abuse and exploitation and injustice and make the biblical call for the people of God to do justice and mercy in 25 minutes, (laughs) right? So listen, 
These just, uh, injustices, you could say, have been legally uh, dealt with, if I can even say that. I don't even like to say it that simply. But you could say that there have been strides, right? But the reality is heart damage has been done. The reality is you can reverse laws, but you can't legislate people's hearts. And so we still have a long way uh, to go. And so this legacy of injustice, um, the reality is, has led to the conditions that we find in our world today. The reality is um, you don't just uh, stop things uh, in one moment and then from that point on everything's fine. The reality is there's vestiges of uh, the injustices in our country that are uh, still here today. The neighborhood I live in is built on the other side of Division Street, right Right here in our own country. I know uh, a man who is a drug dealer who says that uh, his family members uh, served um, as the help uh, in a white home on the other side of Division Street for many, uh, many years. And he recalls a time when you didn't go on that side uh, of the street. He didn't go on that side uh, of the tracks. Listen, that wasn't that long ago. And these injustices lead uh, to the reality uh, that we have today, the problems of education that I uh, experience on a regular basis, the breakdown of family uh, structures, illicit drug trade, the deep level of hopelessness present um, in a community like ours, but not just ours, all over um, our country. And these things happen uh, because there's a system of injustice uh, that was created. And so we, uh, while we've made, we've made progress, it's a moving target, and we can't stop. And so what do we do? Well, thankfully, my brother um, John Perkins uh, is one of the most hopeful men I've ever seen. Uh, because though he has experienced the, the deepest level of the darkness of injustice, he says, we have the gospel. He says, we've got the good news that the atonement of Jesus Christ has been made for sin so that justice is possible. And when you see him say it, it's, a, uh, it's an incredible moment because you know that he's not just saying it, um, he's living it. He says the day of Jubilee is here, the day for justice uh, for all is here, but he says it's up to the church. He says it's up to the church. So will we do it? Even here at New City, um, do you want to be that church? I know that I do. I know that I do, and yet it's challenging. So let's find out how. Um, because I've only got 25 minutes, I got two points for you, all right? So amen, all right? You're welcome. Super Bowl and all that. Here we go. So the first point is the call um, to justice. The call to justice. At the core of justice and the lack of it is a worship issue. It's a worship um, issue. Um, uh, Isaiah 58 is a, a passage about worship. And though we didn't read the first five verses uh, of the chapter, in essence, um, God is bringing a charge against his people and saying, listen, you guys have all the right rituals, you're doing all the right stuff, um, but the reality is you forgot the main thing. And it's not just a side thing. It's not just a thing that you get to once you've got the other stuff figured out. He says, this is the main thing and you're missing it. And therefore, you're not worshiping me. And so he says, you're focused on yourself. They have an inward uh, piety. Uh, they have an inward devotion, and yet it doesn't go out. It's not external. It's Micah 6, 8, walking humbly with your God as if the first two parts weren't there, doing justice and loving mercy. He says, you can't have one um, without um, the other. This, just this past week, I believe, um, Damien preached on this very topic 
We can't be a church that's all about discipleship and doing that really well and inwardly focused and doing those things uh, uh, and growing, though I want to do those things and those things are good, if we are not also missional and moving out. And yet we can't only be missional and moving out if we're not growing inwardly. It's one, it's one in, uh, in the same. Two sides uh, of the same coin. For Israel, they were only doing one and God said, you're completely off. So my question for us is we could fall in the same trap. So let's not do that. Let's not fall um, into that same trap because we prove that we don't know the heart of God if we don't do justice. And so verse six jumps in and it tells them, okay, uh, this is not the fast I've chosen. One day where you um, uh, make yourself hungry and and all this and it's inwardly focused, he says, this is the fast um, that I've chosen. And because of that, he says, listen, fasting is not just one day, it's a lifestyle. Notice when you read verse six and onward, he doesn't just talk about one day. These are all things you just keep doing. Um, And so he says, this is uh, the fast that I've chosen. I'm gonna walk through a couple of these things because I wanna paint a picture for you. Because this is the picture of what doing justice is. So verse six, if you have your, um, uh, your, uh, your, the verses in front of you, I invite you to look, look at them closely. Verse six starts with, to loosen the bonds uh, of wickedness. That's uh, the first uh, part of it. He says, uh, to, to loosen is to open things up, to, to throw things open. Listen, this is not just helping your kid untie his shoe a little bit so he can do it the rest of the way. This is to loosen, to, to throw open um, the bonds. And the bonds uh, there are, are like fetters, a chain that's used to restrain someone. Even another way, uh, uh, another meaning of the word is, uh, of these bonds is a pang, like hunger pangs. You see, it's not just the bonds physical, it's the bonds emotional, the, the bonds uh, spiritual and, and, and in your psyche. Like a sharp, sudden pain, he says, those are the bonds that we are called to, to loosen. And wickedness, this isn't just a wickedness of, uh, uh, of one uh, person to another. This is a wickedness uh, of systems. It's not just individual. It has to do with how we treat uh, one another. That's why in the NIV, uh, this is translated as loosing the bonds of injustice, the chains uh, of injustice. And so you start to see the picture uh, of what it is to do justice, to, to untie, to loosen, to set free, um, and understanding that there's systems at play. And so then he goes on to undo the straps uh, of the yoke. Again, this is untying, this is loosening. It it takes work. These are are knots that have been double knotted and triple knotted. And again, if you have kids, you know what it's like to try to get those little knots out. Takes some work, doesn't it? They can't do it themselves, they need your help. That's the kind of knots that we're talking about. The straps um, uh, that it talks about is is a metaphor for the bondage of slavery and the yoke. Well, we know what a yoke is, a pole that holds two beasts of burden together as they plow a field. And that is what it was, um, that, uh, what it, what it was to be uh, under the yoke uh, of oppression. And he says we are to undo those straps. And so you get this picture, literally, of untying the straps of a yoke that is on someone. It takes work and it takes time. This isn't just a, this isn't just a, a cute picture. This is physical, this is nitty gritty, this is getting your hands um, dirty. And so the whole line is a metaphor for what it is to being held in bondage. And then he says, to let the oppressed um, go free. To let them go is not just, again, to sort of 
untie it and say, go along now. It's to set them free, to, to push them out, to cast them out, to send them out. And to understand that oppression is a crushing. To send them out from the oppression, the crush, crushing that they feel. And the freedom here is always in the Bible a freedom uh, related to slavery, bondage. That's what it is. And then finally he says, and to break every yoke. Is this just a, a poetic way to finish the line? Well, no, I would say it's much more than that. This was the, the final step um, in bringing about the, the process uh, of justice. It was an image of taking those very same yokes that you had just untied and taking them on your leg and breaking them in two. Because why? The temptation would be to take those things and store them up in a shed somewhere so that one day you might be tempted to pull them out again. And Isaiah says, no, you can't do that. Not only do you need to take them off, you need to break them so they can never come back. And so there's this picture of them, of like a bonfire, right? Of breaking those yokes and throwing them in the fire and saying, no more. No more will we ever even be tempted uh, to go back uh, to that place. But that also means to break every yoke is to not only break the yoke in the moment, but work to heal all the effects of the yoke that, that the yoke has had on the oppressed. You don't walk away the same after you've had this yoke um, on your back, right? Your back's twisted, your body um, broken, mind broken and hurt, emotions um, broken. And here it's saying it's the job of, of the oppressor to heal the wounds of the oppressed. But finally, the reality of, of, of this last part of verse six is that this never ends. Why? Because to break every yoke is again, like John Perkins said, to be eternally vigilant. To keep our eyes uh, out and see where is there a yoke being produced? Where is this starting to happen again? And us saying, no, no, no. Remember we threw those in the fire. Don't let that happen again. And so Isaiah 58, God says, this is what it is uh, to be devoted to me. This is the fasting that I'm looking for. This is worship. This is what it is to be uh, my disciple. So a few applications really quick for us right now in this day, all right? The first application of a, of a call to justice is that you and I, we as, even as a church or as individuals need to raise our awareness um, of where there is injustice. That's step number one, to raise our awareness. Because see, if injustice doesn't affect you, if it doesn't have uh, any influence on your life, it's easy to miss it. That's exactly what was happening uh, for the people of Israel. It's easy to turn the blind eye and so for most of us, white, majority culture, the injustices that face um, many in our country don't even affect us. They're on some other side of town or, or they're in some other part uh, of, of the world. But we, we've got to see that um, the, the poverty uh, and, and injustice, the multi-generational poverty that we see around us is a cycle that's been caused first by injustice. It's not just a group of people that got together and decided we're just going to sin a lot and that's going to be our problem. This happened uh, for uh, a reason. And so we've got to see that. We must see that this cycle is almost impossible um, to escape. And when someone does escape it, that's the exception, not the rule. <laughs> when someone escapes, uh, we don't get to say, oh, look, see, that was all it was. There's the, the, someone just needed to get it together. How many of us with our own kids um, go off to college and the, the number of mistakes they make, had they not had the safety net that we provide for them, um, wouldn't make it. 
uh, for someone uh, in our community that one of those mistakes is the end. That's it. It's over. No more career, no more school, right? And so we've got to see that. We've got to open our eyes um, to see uh, that is uh, the reality. So the first application is open our eyes, God. Please open our eyes to see. The second application um, is that we've got to see that leaving an injustice untouched is a sin. As hard as that is, it's so elusive, I know. And many of you will come up to me afterwards and say, come on, man. I didn't do that, right? That's, that's the temptation. But it's, it's, so, it's so elusive. It's, so, it's not obvious to many of us. You haven't actively gone out and, and oppressed someone. I mean, I don't have yokes in my yard and that I'm doing this um, type of thing. Eric, this is ridiculous. I didn't own anyone or I don't say racist things or whatever. Um, but we've got to see um, that injustice is systemic and it's corporate. It's not just an individual thing. It's one of the biggest mistakes of Christianity in America is we've made the gospel about me and therefore we've made our sin about me and only me. But sin is, is all of us. There's, there's corporate sin. There's sins that are committed by a whole group of people and it's really hard to understand that, really hard to point it out, but it's true. And it's uncomfortable. But even the book of Nehemiah, the Bible shows us when this is possible. The Bible shows us a time when a whole, uh, one man got on his knees for the sake of his whole people and said, God, my fathers have sinned against you and I repent now. Uh, If you think that's a little bit far-fetched, we're a part of the PCA here and our whole denomination did this, Uh, repented publicly uh, for the legacies of slavery and racial um, injustice in our country and in our own denomination. I hate to tell you, it's a pretty ugly history, Uh, but it's true. And, and, and uh, the whole group of people got up and said, let's do this together. We need to repent um, together. And so it may feel foreign. It may feel unfair to you. Um, but it's, it's true. And it's good. So the second is to uh, realize that when we don't do anything, um, it is sin. The third application is that we've got to see that justice is something that we must be proactive about, not reactive You can't just wait until it comes to your doorstep and say, oh, now I got it. Oh, now this happened to me, so now I'm going to go do it. No, we have to move um, out. We are required to seek um, justice. We're required to seek out every opportunity to put ourselves um, in the shoes of those who have been oppressed or the poor, the broken, the downtrodden. And you know this. A statistic on a page doesn't move you, but a person does. A relationship does. When you know someone who's hurting um, you are moved. And so how do you do this? I, I don't, again, I don't pretend to have touched on every piece of injustice um, in our world um, or even right here uh, facing all of you. Uh, the, the list could be uh, so much more exhaustive and we could talk about so many other things. But what I would say first is put yourself in a position to see injustice so that your heart can be moved. I can stand up here until I'm blue in the face and tell you about it, but it doesn't really matter until your heart is, is, is touched and moved. But you've got to put yourself in a place. Drive somewhere you don't normally drive, right? Um, build a relationship with someone experiencing homelessness. Don't just react. Be proactive. Find out what's going on um, in their world. Take an afternoon um, off of work one time and come down and, and read to one of our kids at the after-school program. Next year, we plan to host Jobs Partnership. 
um, uh, in our community. Come be a part of that. Maybe it's your community group just coming together, bringing a meal for the class, or maybe God's calling you to be a coach, to walk with two or three students through this class. I don't know, but that's what it is. Go visit a different, go visit a, a, a black church. Not to take away from us being here on Sunday mornings, but go, go see some, go understand what it is to worship in a different um, context and why it is. Read a book called Crossing Division Street, uh, a history of, um, uh, of race in Orlando. There's a number of things you could do, um, but we, we've got to start first um, with, with moving towards it. And here's the deal, the church should be leading the charge on this whole justice thing, but, but we're, we're, we're lagging behind. But we should be the ones um, with, with faces of joy um, getting to do the work of God with God. How do you learn um, how to do this? Where do you learn how to do this? You know what my experience has been? My experience has been the best um, examples of how to uh, love the oppressed, the poor, and the broken is from the broken, from the poor, from the oppressed. I have seen uh, more people pour themselves out for one another in my own community than I've ever done for anyone else. But see, you don't know that until you're close. You don't know that until you um, get near. They're way better at it um, than, than we are. And the Bible says this too. Three chapters later, Isaiah 61 goes on and talks about how uh, the very people who are rebuilding the ancient ruins, like is talked about in Isaiah 58, are the very people who were broken, are the very people who were oppressed, um, are the poor. Where do you learn it? Get close. Will you let God tear down the barrier of an us versus them and realize that, that, that God is after it being an us? Um, will you let yourself see um, God in others? Will you realize that God is, is speaking to you through the poor, through the oppressed, through their story? All right, so I've got one minute. You ready? I'm gonna do a whole point in one minute. All right, so the effect of justice the call to justice, the effect of justice, it's going to be more than one minute, but I'll, I'll go fast. Simply put, when we do justice, God responds. God moves. Maybe that doesn't sound very reformed to you, but the spirit of the Reformation Bible even says it. So there. R.C. Sproul's on my, on, my, on my side. No, but really, look in, look in there if you want. Verse 8, when it says... Uh, uh, if you do all these things, then your light will break forth like the dawn. The, the study Bible says this is the connection between our responsibility of bringing in the kingdom of God. You want the kingdom of God to come? Do justice. God will respond. I don't know how else to say it but that. Isaiah 58 is set up in this format. You heard it. If you do these things, then I'll do these things. If you do this, spend yourself, all these things, then I'll do this. We don't like that kind of stuff because we don't like to feel like God is waiting on us in any way. We like to, you know, God's sovereign, he does what he wants, all that stuff, I totally agree. But there's something here. God's waiting for us as a body to do his work. He says clearly, what, what's true if we don't do justice? We don't have light. We don't have it. It's, it's, it's like turning on a flashlight um, without the batteries. There's, there's darkness. It doesn't turn on. That's the church without justice. Our testimony about who God is, it doesn't work um, without justice. Our witness to the world is trashed if we don't figure this out. 
I think it's the single biggest, biggest obstacle to the unchurched coming into the church. They're waiting for us to get this right. You know what? The world's doing it a lot better. <laughs> we have a lot of competition from the world in this area. But we, we have the God of justice, <laughs> right? We don't just have God. We have the God who made justice. Justice is not a, a worldly thing they figured out. Justice belongs to our God. And we get to go do it. And so listen, you can keep going through all of these things. If you do justice, then your healing shall spring up speedily and your bones will be made strong, verse 8 and 11. If you do justice, you'll be like a well-watered garden, a spring of water, verse 11. If you do justice, then you'll rebuild the city, verse 12. And we are tempted to think, oh, that's the city out there, but I want to start with our city, new city. And say, rebuild this city, Lord. The work of justice will not be complete until it's reflected inside of our community. When people who don't look like us, when people who don't have as much money as us, when people who aren't a part of the same political party as us, when people who don't wear the same clothes as us, when people who aren't as put together as us are not just the objects of our ministry out there, but they're a part of the family in here. That's when justice is being done. The effect of justice is that God moves. The effect of justice is that his kingdom comes in our midst. So listen, justice is not a parenthetical thing to the heart of God. It's not an add-on. Justice is is God's passion. It it flows from his own character, from his own hearts. He wants us to love justice because he um, is justice. It's central to his mission. There is an organization called uh, the Repentance Project. Um, Ted Haddock's actually a part of it. I think that's important to note. Um, A few years ago, um, they met, um, and I I hope I don't butcher the story, so if I do ask Ted, he'll know the real deal. A group of uh, men and women um, got together and said, we want to... We want to do something about this, the, the racial injustices that we uh, know are real, but we're not exactly sure what to do. And so they met at a farm in Virginia where 24 black brothers and sisters had died enslaved, and there was a cemetery there. When the cemetery had been cleared out um, before they even showed up uh, to, to, to pray together, um, apparently after they had uh, cleared all this out and moved all the rubbish, a, a small fire had started without anyone starting it. That sound familiar? Holy ground, right? No, no explanation. They gathered um, finally together this group of men and women and, and even some kids to pray for repentance and reconciliation over the injustices done in our country. And as they began, the skies got dark and the wind began to blow. The storm is sort of brewing up um, as they begin um, to pray. And they, they sat in silence of lamenting um, the past of injustice and, and it begins to rain. Little drops of rain are coming down and, and they began praying and, and everyone is crying and, and they're, they're praying for um, the healing uh, of um, injustice. And the man who writes this article, you can read it, it's online. Um, the man um, who's writing this down, um, his daughter was there with him and uh, he says that she tugged um, at his side and said simply what everyone in the circle was feeling. God's crying. He's crying. And so they said it was like a a spring of water. Verse 11. A spring of water. It was almost like a a baptism. It was a healing water. It's no doubt why is Isaiah 58 written like that. 
This is what happens um, when justice uh, comes. And so as they uh, were there, they cease uh, praying. Their, their prayer comes to an end and the rain stops. Asked Ted, I asked him beforehand, I said, hey man, I just want to make sure the story's real. <laughs> he said, it's real as day. And, um, and they heard God saying, I am with you. I am with you. Isn't that what our passage says? It says in uh, verse uh, nine, uh, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Listen, if we want uh, to be with God, if we want to be with God on mission, we've got to be a people who go and do justice. And so I want us um, to be that church. Um, And we can be that church. We can take those steps um, towards understanding um, God's heart uh, for justice. And we won't make it there uh, easily. Uh, We're going to be limping along. We're going to make lots of mistakes. Um, But we serve a God um, who desires this. Um, And he sent his own son, Jesus, as we heard already, um, as the executor of his own justice. So that we might be in relationship with him and spread his justice to the world. Let's pray. Father, um, we need you desperately. Uh, Father, we the church um, have made many missteps. We the church have broken um, your heart. So much so that when people gather together to repent of our injustice, you cry. And yeah, Lord, it's not a, a crying um, without hope. It's a crying of redemption um, because you desire, uh, Lord, to see um, us move out into justice. So, Lord, help us. Uh, help us here at New City um, to know the steps forward. Help us to raise awareness, um, to repent even of our uh, corporate sin, as a, as a, not just as this body, but at being a part of the church at large and saying we want healing. We want there to be justice. Lord, lead us, guide us. It says that's what will happen in Isaiah 58, that you will lead us, that you will guide us, and that you will be with us. Lord, be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen.